Hello and welcome to the Power Balance Podcast with Katherine Craig, a podcast interviewing leaders to explore how we come to define and understand leadership. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Catherine Craig, and today I'm delighted to be sitting down with the accomplished Dr. Lakintu Olek to talk with her about her leadership experiences. Dr. Olek is the Chief of Psychiatry at Health Sciences North in Sudbury, Ontario. Welcome and thank you, Dr. Olek, for sitting down with me today. Thank you for inviting me. You have a really interesting background as to where you were born and raised. Can you share a bit of that with us? I was born in a little town in northeastern India, which is called Shillong. Uh, I grew up there with both my parents, and I am the oldest of six. So growing up there was uh, was very good, actually. Um, both of my parents were working for the uh, state government of India, for that state where I lived in. So for most of the time, I... Um, uh, lived with, uh, you know, caregivers and nannies, but, uh, you know, my parents were, were there. Uh, some of the time they were posted outside of the home, and uh, but most of the time they were there. Uh, much of my education I received uh, in, the, uh, in the city or in the town because I came from a smaller place. So uh, I lived with my aunts, my uncles, and then eventually in boarding school. Um, I did my um, pre-university education there, and then I did my medical school in uh, uh, a state called Assam, which is in another state because we didn't have any medical schools in my state. So did you not tell me once that you were the first woman in your village to get a university degree? Do I remember that correctly? Well, after my after my mother and my grandmother's sister, uh, I think uh, we were some of the first women in in our family that uh, have gone on to get an education and uh, you know uh, lead professional lives. Were they the people that influenced you the most growing up? I think so. I think so because. Uh, uh, much of what I know, what I learned, what I observed is really, you know, what I what I see at home. You know, everything begins from home. Uh, my mother was, uh, you know, she lived with this aunt uh, who was my grandmother's youngest sister. This aunt went on to get uh, a master's degree and uh, she became a professor eventually. And that's who my mother was kind of. With and then my mother also went on to get a university degree and uh, she worked in uh, civil services, you know, and as an administrator. And if I if I remember correctly, she was one of the first women, I think, to become a block development officer, at least in that region. How did she inform your management style? <laughs> my mother, you know, she uh, she had said to me, "You you don't want to be a leader. You there are so many people that you 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 cannot please. It's it's too challenging. It's too hard, you know." But even though she said that, she went on about her life, you know, 
being who I uh, aspire to be and uh, who I would like to be, you know, being a mother of six children and uh, working in an office and having many people that she has to kind of, that who has to report to her. So she uh, looked like she balanced it quite well. So I, I saw the way that she conducted herself, you know, at home she was a little different and at work I hear I heard a lot of good things, the things that she did. You know, everywhere we went, people kind of liked her and uh, admired her and said that she was a very good uh, officer. She was a very kind uh, uh, person. And and I saw the way that she dealt with people. You know, she was was quite good. It sounds like... Her legacy gave you a bit of a push-pull with regards to leadership. How did that affect you in your own sort of career ladder? Because often we get push-pull messages from our parents or family, um, from people who influencing us. How did you deal with that? Because it sounds like she said on one hand, oh, don't be a leader. And on the other hand, she's like, oh, this is really great, I'm doing these neat things at work. How, how did you balance that? Uh, I, I thought that, uh, you know, she was quite tenacious, she was quite persistent, and I think I've developed some of those habits uh, by just watching her. I, I know deep down that I, uh, I, I don't give up easily, you know. I, uh, when something challenges me, when something is hard for me and I don't get it right, I have every reason now to really get it right until I get it right. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, I used to say that when I first came to this country, it was not easy, you know, to fly over seven seas and to try and reestablish myself as a physician. I knew that I had to work equally hard, not even equally doubly hard than people who are already here because the challenges were double. I always thought that I have to climb so hard until my fingernails bleed. And I, I also thought to myself that I really have to, to sweat, you know, blood in order to really get where I wanted to, to go. So I was, I think, uh, uh, I, I, I said, okay, I'll have to give it one good shot and, and see where this leads me. That, that is quite a journey. And something that many of us, don't experience and, and can't appreciate to the extent that you have done. I'm, I'm very impressed by that. Let's talk about the flip side of the coin of leadership. Um, has there ever been a time in your career when you haven't had good leadership, something where you think, this is not good leadership? And how did that affect your president leadership style? I think not just only in leadership. You know, I experience betrayal. Uh, regularly, if not on a daily basis, you know, betrayal with uh, who I work with, betrayal at home, you know, by my family members and betrayal by my colleagues, betrayal by some people that I look up to. But it's not on a regular basis, but regardless, though, it is there. And the more that I experience it, I think the more it is that I am able to identify Now, what do I do with it? Because I cannot allow it to stump me or uh, to hold me in a spot where I cannot think clearly anymore, where I become overwhelmed by it. 
So I have learned all, you know, along the way to try and, and evaluate the situation a little bit more and, and see where that is coming from, you know. Uh, what is the motivation for it? Where is it coming from? And be able to look backwards and see, you know, because I have to examine the relationship really, you know, whether it is with a nurse, whether it's with a with a, with a spouse, a child, a colleague, or even a a leader that I that I report to. Uh, and it, it has taken time and effort, you know, to be able to to come down to some substance where. I can have some understanding and, and live with it and carry on in a way. I guess for the benefits of this conversation, because words have baggage, and I'm thinking about for our listeners that the word, you use the word betrayal, and we've sort of talked about that in, in other conversations. How would you define betrayal? I think betrayal, in in my very simple way of understanding it, it is that when uh, there is a little bit of a break of trust, mm-hmm. you know, there is that psychological understanding between two people where, you know, you trust the other person that they will not hurt you, that they will not do anything to to harm you, you know. and And when that is gone, even whether it's it's just being perceived whether it happened or not, then that relationship is kind of broken. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be hard to come back from that, you know, to, to, to establish that, that trust and that understanding that was there before. Um, so that's what I, I would I would define it. It's just a breakdown in that relationship, you know, that has not had that has not happened before. What would you say is the key tool you would use to rebuild that trust that you use or you use with them so that you can trust again? Because for working relationships, family, or at work, so healthy, positive relationships, we have to get through those things somehow. So what do you use to rebuild that? Okay, I have to stop. I have to stop and step back and pay attention to what I am feeling, the anger, the frustration, uh, the hurt, whatever that was going on in my mind. Because if I were to start acting and behaving like I was feeling, then all would be, there would be more trouble, you know, that would follow. And um, no, I I, I don't think I I would go that way. So always, always I step back. So I I, I, I keep quiet for a moment or I, I just say, okay, let me think about this for a moment. And then I reflect on it. And sometimes it takes fractions of seconds, but even I have done that, then the next thing that I would do or say is, is more of a, a thoughtful, a methodical, uh, a, 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 I have said it with, I have done it with, with because I have been thoughtful about it. It's much better than being impulsive and just you know, get angry and just say what comes to mind. I, I, I don't believe in that. So that is what I have learned. And, uh, you know, I have to be able to say a few things at that moment in time in order not to feel like I'm being walked over or that I have not been used. You know, sometimes I do feel that being a woman, you know, I speak with a lower volume of voice. And I, uh, I am not as aggressive as some of the people that are around me. 
But I find that the, the slower that I speak, the lower volume that I speak, it, it seems to me like people strain themselves to hear what I got to say. Mm. <laughs> so I find that works very much to my advantage. And I will say what needs to be said at that time. And then if I have thought about it, you know, if I need to come back, then I, I will follow that up at another time. But as much as possible, my motto is really to try and preserve relationships. Because whatever I do, I cannot do it alone. I do not exist in a vacuum. Whatever that I do every day, I depend very much on on other people, other systems uh, that are around me. And I have to be in a working relationship with them. So that is... It's perfect. It's perfect. I sort of struggle for words here because it it has a perfect synergy there. That's engaging the individual and rebuilding the trust and a really good template for that. What about engaging a team? What about building a team that maybe have pulled away or a team that's a bit fractured? How do you bring them together? How do you build that trust? What's that elusive something? I think there's no other better way than to lead by example. If I am not a conscious, good leader myself, then how can I expect the other or the others to to follow suit? So my action, my perceptions, my attitudes, and the way that I handle situations, things, problems, the way that I complete my tasks to the best of my ability, is a way that I want to demonstrate to others, that I would like to see it in others, you know, as that belongs to my group or as team members of my group, because that's the way I I do things. Um, If I sense that, okay, there, you know, there are some people that are not, really following or seeing where I am going, what I am doing, the way that I do things, I would I would take time to just observe a little bit. And then if that is kind of not coming on, not coming on, then I would, you know, take the person aside and say, okay, uh, is there anything that I can do? I'm just sensing a little bit of hesitation from you. You know, because if that person out of the... 12, 15 people that, let's say, belongs to my group, if that person is, is away somewhere, not engaged, then then I have lost that person. Mm-hmm. So, so that is one way, you know, lead by example. And another is that I have to really create a uh, uh, an objective that is way beyond what we're doing, something that is greater, something that is much more, vast than what we're doing. Let's say, for example, you know, we have this outpatient load that we have to uh, attend to. We have 500 patients that are waiting, you know, to be seen. And if I start saying, okay, we really need to rev this up and see more patients in a week in order to clean that that wait list, I would think I would find it more like a taskmaster rather than anything else. But if I start to uh, you know, speak in, in such a way or lead them in such a way that, okay, we are psychiatrists, we, we are here to help people and we understand just how, 
difficult it is for the family physicians out there who are struggling with these very, very hard to treat patients. And, uh, you know, we are a service that, you know, can provide some relief not only to the patients but to the physicians as well. And we have a good relationship with them and we are, we, I think we would be more satisfied in the way that we work because then if those family physicians were treating these very sick patients, if their patients can be seen in a timely manner, I bet you they would be more willing to, you know, to see these patients so we don't have to follow them in our outpatient clinic. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we have a sense that, yes, we are indeed working as a team. We are indeed helping not just one, but maybe a couple of, of, of systems, you know, and mm-hmm. we can, we feel good about that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that, that's probably not a very good example, but <laughs> what I mean to say is really, you know, to take people beyond just the task, but really to achieve something that is, that feels mm-hmm. good to the soul, you know, at the end of it all. And if we can move to that, you know, good lifestyle, uh, stressless work lifestyle, then that's what we should uh, achieve for. So, so, so those are the two main uh, strategies I think on on uh, getting people motivated to stay engaged. And um, <laughs> so far, you know, I've been the chief of the Department of Psychiatry for a little bit more than a year. And uh, whatever that I'm doing, um, I think, I, I have a feeling that people see the way that I do. You know, I look for quality uh, care. I look for uh, proper documentation. I look for services to be rendered in a timely manner. You know, these patients to be seen at a time that they need to be seen. And uh, I, I would go beyond that than just doing what I am doing, you know. And I'm hoping that people would kind of follow suit. So, so far, I am seeing some positive movement towards that. What's next for you in your leadership journey? What sort of have you decided that, that you hope that you will achieve next? I think... Uh, some days, to be honest with you, I feel, okay, this is it. I am done. <laughs> I think we all get that sometimes. You know? Mm-hmm. But, when, but when I think about it deeply, I think this is just the beginning for me. Because if I, if I achieve, if I succeed professionally, I do so personally as well, you know? And, and, and the biggest... Uh, uh, inspiration that I get is my family and, and, and the biggest uh, followers that I have are my family members you know especially my children mm-hmm. that that wherever I go whatever I do how much I succeed they will follow suit and they're right behind me it has it has already made quite a big difference you know when I accepted the position of being the chief of the department you know my my, my daughter, who's 17 years old, she's, uh, okay, mom, uh, that sounds really good. <laughs> you should do this and this and this and this as well. And she herself, without saying too much, she's becoming more involved in, in leadership roles in her school. And she has been quite successful. The same with my two sons, you know, they, they want to be, uh, my, my youngest one, he wants to be class prez. <laughs> And, uh, you know, my older son is, is wanting to do a lot more as well. So that, if, if nothing else, 
inspires me to go further, work harder, and win. It is them. It is them. Maybe it's the same pattern that you had from your mother and your aunties, eh? That's right. That's right. The pattern continues. That's right. I've seen them buckle. I've seen them struggle. I've seen them bend a little. But I have never seen them kind of give up for real. I've never seen them give up for good. I I hope that I would be the same. Mm. I hope that I am made up of that kind of material. (laughs) The stretchy guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are an inspiration, I think, to leaders new and experienced. And thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Catherine and her work, you can read more online at www.spearheadexecutivecoaching.com. If you'd like to leave any comments or ask any questions about the episode, write to info at spearheadexecutivecoaching.com. Thanks again for listening.